Thanks so much for joining us here on the Rivers Church Podcast. We see a church full of passionate people who reach the unchurched with the gospel of Jesus. Our heart is to equip people to love, live, and lead in God's kingdom. We hope you enjoy today's message and pray that it encourages you to be all that God has destined you to be. If you need anything, please feel free to reach out to us and check us out on our website at riverschurch.co. That's riverschurch.co. So if you would stand up with me while I read from Philippians chapter 4. And then let me put on my eyeballs. All right. Uh, Philippians 4, 4 through 9. You ready? Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Verse 5. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Verse 8, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Why don't you go ahead and have a seat? I'm going to take just a few minutes at the beginning here before I start the message. Uh, actually start the message. I want to have a little family time. Is that okay? Just a little family, a little Rivers Church family time here and just kind of share our heart, share what's going on. It's summer, first of all, so happy summer to you. It doesn't feel like summer outside, which is kind of nice, but summer, summer's begun. For mo- like school's out for most people, and so it's like the official start of summer, and, uh, and that's great. And also this weekend, the uh, NBA playoffs start, which is why I'm wearing the sun shirt right here. Okay, so we're excited about that. Um, those two things, by the way, have nothing to do with what I was going to say. I don't know why I said those. <laughs> it just kind of came to me. It's like, what's going on right now this weekend? So here's what's on our heart right now as we think about Rivers Church and what we want to do. There's always two things we want to encourage people to do is connected to the life of our church community here. And that is get in a group and find a place to serve. Get in a group and find a place to serve. And I think there's a place even behind the scenes that people can serve. And so right now, we just really sense that there's a need for deeper, stronger relationships and community, especially with a lot of the new people that are in our church over the last year. And so we just want to strengthen our community, strengthen the relationships in our church, and we want to strengthen discipleship. This is a big deal to us. We just want to take seriously this whole... Jesus called us to go make disciples, and we want to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And so we want to strengthen discipleship as well as strengthen community. So I want to throw out just a bunch of things that are out there for everybody, and there is a group for everybody. We'd love for you to find a group if you don't have one. And so again, this is just just taking family time. And if you have uh, an app, most of these things in their app are in the app, but if they're not in the app, they will be soon. So you can go ahead and go to the Rivers Church app or download if you haven't downloaded it yet. But there is uh, a youth ministry that we have for teenagers that meets every Wednesday night. There is this ranger. The Royal Rangers meets every Thursday night here uh, in the youth center over there. And uh, they have this trip planned that everyone's welcome to join them in. 
but uh, they mentor, disciple, train little, little boys, young men, and uh, they actually are allowing girls right now too, so that's something that's available for kids throughout the week. There's also the uh, prayer night. Every Tuesday night right in here, they meet for prayer. If you wanted to join that group and just pray and pray for our church and pray for our people, feel free to do that. We've got a young professionals group that meets twice a month. It's the Yo Pros. And so, again, info is in the app. We have an, uh, a young adults group called Oasis, and they're doing activities and different things here and there. So uh, if you're interested in any of these things, by the way, like I want to get connected to any of these groups, let us know on the Connect card. This is how we connect. So even digitally, if you're online, let us know digitally on that Connect card. Reach out to us, and we can get you connected. Uh, there's also a seniors group. We've got a thriving seniors group that survived the pandemic. They did it amazing. And they're meeting again here on Thursday nights, and they're having their seniors Bible study. I think it starts at 6 o'clock uh, in, in this room. So got some great groups there, but also we got our go groups. We've heard us talk a lot about go groups in the last several months. And if you haven't dove into a go group, we want to really encourage you to do so. This is a way for us to grow as disciples and help other people grow as disciples. And I want to encourage those of you that have started a go group to begin praying about who is it that's not connected to Jesus or the church that needs to be that could become a part of your go group. That's the point of these. It's not just for a bunch of Christians to get together and grow, but now let's reach out to other people outside of the church that are open to having discussions about God and the Bible. So let's Let's be praying and thinking about that in regards to Go Groups. And then you've heard us talk about this Palomino initiative. We want to go and serve a neighborhood in Palomino. We're going to call this Love Where You Live. That's going to be the name of this project, Love Where You Live. If you want to be involved in that, let us know. Again, in the next three weeks or so, we're looking at starting that possibly, but we'll just go this summer and just going to go serve some people in Palomino and love on them. And the last thing I'll throw out is this. If you are interested this summer in being a part of a men's group, or a women's group, we are exploring the possibility of launching those for the summer. And so what I'd say to that is come and talk with me right after the service is over. I'll be right down here in the front, and I'd love to just get your information, and I can send information back to you as we figure out what are we going to do for the men's group, for the women's group this summer. But if you're interested, meet me right down here after the service. Okay, so just felt like it was important for us to, to pause and just have a little family time because we want people to be connected in community here. Just want people to be growing. It's just a big deal to us. And so I felt it was important enough to just stop right here and, and do that. So now let me go ahead and pray and start the message, okay? So let's pray. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for everybody that's here today. And um, just thank you again for your word, Lord. We're so thankful, always thankful for your word. And just know that today you're going to speak to us, you're going to challenge us, you're going to correct us, you might even rebuke us because you love us today through your word. But Lord, our hearts are postured and ready and willing to receive, to learn, to grow, and to ultimately obey. Lord, I just pray that there would be a desire inside of every single one of us to obey you and just a longing to live at the center of your will for our life. Lord, would you increase that hunger, I pray to be at the center of your will, to do what pleases you, to make decisions that honor you and please you. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Oh, and Lord, would you pray, we pray for the Phoenix Suns. Lord, help them as they start the playoffs today to get back to winning ways in the playoffs. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Just in case. Just in case. Well, I think I, I would, uh, I think it was everyone else wasn't agreeing with me in prayer, so I put that on you guys, not me. 
<laughs> and come to find out, the other team was very much Christian. So maybe that was God's will. I don't know. Maybe God doesn't care about any of that. I just always like to pray. Is that okay? And oh, by the way, I prayed for a team that wasn't from Washington. They're actually from local, just because you know, I'm, I'm, I'm local too, okay? I'm, I'm for the sons. Anyways, let's, let's talk about this here. So this is going to be a fun message today. You have 168 hours every single week. Did you know that? 168 hours that you have that you get to determine how you're going to live those hours. The nice thing about 168 is it breaks down evenly into threes, and you can essentially divide your weekly life into three segments. Very easy. There's three segments of your weekly life, and we're going to look at them through these buckets right here. So these are basically your life buckets, your weekly life buckets. So the first bucket that we have represents approximately one-third of all the hours of your week. And this bucket is what we call sleep. Anybody like this bucket? <laughs> okay. Some people really like this bucket. Some people just kind of have a love-hate relationship with this bucket. Nonetheless, we, we have to sleep. It's one of those things that God designed us in such a way that we have to stop and rest and sleep. And so... Experts say, researchers say that we should have eight hours of sleep a night. Did you know that? That's the healthiest for all of us. Eight hours of sleep every night is what you need. If you want to live a longer, more healthier life, make sure you get at least eight hours of sleep at night. Now, the math does add up to 56, and so that's one-third of 168. So this is one, approximately one-third of your week is spent sleeping. So that's taken care of right there, right? So then you got this bucket, and this bucket I would call the work bucket. This is where we spend time at work. Some of you, maybe this is school, but for most of us, this is work. And so then this encompasses basically two-thirds of our weekly life. So typical job is supposed to be 40 hours a week, and how often does that really play out in a typical job these days, right? Especially when you factor in, you're texting after hours. You're answering emails after hours. Some of us have a commute, a drive time. Maybe you've got extra training after work that you got to go to. Maybe you've got uh, extra trips that you go to for work and all that. So it can easily be over 50 hours every single week, like easily. So we can just round that up to 56. And so this 56 is spent in sleep. This 56 is spent in work. And then we've got this third bucket. This third bucket right here is very important. It represents everything else in your life. Everything else basically goes into this bucket. And you have the ability to decide what you put in this bucket. Unless you got like a newborn or an infant, we just know that. That just kind of throws off the whole schedule of everything, right? Like you don't get to choose when you go to bed in those kind of seasons of life. So we, we pray for you and we feel for you. Other than that, we have choices for the most part. And you and I can decide what we put into this bucket. So this is the bucket of family, family time. I'm going to spend time with my family. I'm going to play with my kids. I'm going to play with my grandkids. This is the bucket of sitting down and watching TV. This is the bucket of spending time on social media. This is the bucket of exercising, going to play golf, going to the bowling alley, uh, cooking food, preparing food, cleaning up for that, uh, responsibilities, chores around the house, paying the bills, maybe sitting down to read a book, uh, going out to dinner, hanging out with friends. That's, that represents this bucket. You've got 56 hours every single week that you get to decide 
what you put in that bucket and how you live it. And when you think about it that way, you actually have quite a bit of time. It's amazing how sometimes we feel like I got no time in my life. But when you really break it down, the truth is we do have more time than we think. And you've got 56 hours to determine what are you going to put into this bucket. I like to call this bucket the bucket of significance. Now, it could be called the bucket of selfishness, bucket of self, where I just live that third just for me, for what I want to do and all that. But I want to challenge you to make this one of significance. This essentially becomes the legacy of your life. How you spend this time, what you put in this bucket, determines your life and your legacy, ultimately the significance of your life. Now, work can bring lots of significance. Let me just say that. And your job may give you significance. It may help other people be significant. That's obviously possible. Uh, For some of you, you're like, no, I hate my job. And uh, I'm sorry, I pray for you in that. But uh, this is the book, or the bucket, definitely where how you determine, how you spend these hours determines your significance in life. So I like to call it the bucket of significance. Now, notice what I haven't talked about is anything in regards to your relationship with God yet. This is the bucket right here where you and I determine how much time am I going to spend with the Lord? How faithful am I going to be at going to church every week, at spending time reading his word, seeking him, enjoying my relationship with him, enjoying his presence, uh, doing a group of some sort? Like what? This is the bucket that I choose my spiritual life if it's going to grow and grow and if it's going to impact other people or if I'm just going to live for myself. And we got to understand that everything we do for the kingdom is what has eternal significance. What we put into here that is for God's kingdom, which is why we love the phrase kingdom first this year. Let's put the kingdom first. When we do that, we are living a life of significance. So how we spend this bucket matters. This is the bucket where people achieve their dreams. Like this is, the, this is the bucket where dreams are realized. People get that uh, second degree. People write a book. People get in shape. They eat healthy. They exercise. They do all these extra things that some of us wish we could do, but people make decisions in this bucket to do those things. You have a choice on how you're going to determine this third bucket. Make it significant. That's my encouragement to you today. So there's three thoughts that I have about this bucket right here that I want to give you. Three thoughts. One is this. There will usually be leftover time. After we've, taught, we've put everything in this bucket, like I mentioned there, most weeks you're still going to have extra time to determine what else can I put into this bucket. Number two thought is this. Not to decide is to decide. And it's important that we understand that. Not to decide is making a decision. So what happens is oftentimes like we come home from work and there's things that we would like to do. There's things that we should do, but we don't because we don't feel like it. And so I just sit down and I just kind of waste time and I'm watching television. I got to decompress. I got to have some me time. You know, me time turns into like three hours, you know, and, and sometimes it just kind of elongates and I can end up wasting time because I, I wasn't intentional about how I spent that time. And so basically, I made a decision. It wasn't a decision I wanted to make, but I, I didn't make a decision, so essentially I made a decision. Does that make sense? To not make a decision is making a decision because time just keeps moving on, whether we like it or not. 
We can't go backwards and we can't get that time. So that's why this third thought is so important. Significance is dependent on focused intentionality. You got to be focused and be intentional about what you're going to put into this bucket. It's been said that everyone ends up somewhere. Few people end up somewhere on purpose. Did you catch that? That was good. Somebody might need to write that down. Everyone ends up somewhere. Few people end up somewhere on purpose. Focused intentionality about what you're going to put in here, how you're going to invest your time so that you can make sure you're making the most of this third bucket. You have a choice. It's up to you. You have freedom. Choose wisely. So I pray that you would make the most of the third bucket. Now, as we look at uh, these three different aspects of our life, of our, of our week, and we look at the will of God, you know, God's primary will for all of us is to know him and make him known, and that really is overarching in a way and above any of these buckets right here. To know God and make him known supersedes all of these buckets because this is the primary will or call of God on your life, to know him and to make him known. And that secondary will of God, that oftentimes centers around what job do I have? What career do I have? You know, and also we talked about ministry, but God can help lead us and show us the right place to go as far as job and work. And then we've got the tertiary will of God, which is all the other decisions in between and, and, and trying to sense where's God calling me to go with this and what's the right decision with this situation and all that kind of stuff. There's all those other things. And so God's helping us navigate how we make decisions with these, with these buckets. And he wants to lead you. He wants to speak to you. Do you know that? He wants to speak to you. He wants to help you. He wants to reveal his will to you. So there's nine different ways that God speaks to us and reveals his will. We've gone through six of them so far. And we're going to go two more today because we're going to wrap this series up here next week. But here, here's what we've looked at so far. The Holy Spirit, God's word, wise counsel, prophecy, spiritual experiences, and circumstances is what we looked at last week. Now we're going to hit two more today. We're going to talk about provision and peace. Provision and peace and how God speaks to us through those things and reveals his will to us. So let's talk about provision. You with me? You guys with me? Yeah, because you're getting quiet. That's why I had to ask, so thank you. Okay. Provision. Let's talk about provision. Let's go, there's a couple scriptures to set up this topic of provision. In Hosea, God says this. Hosea 2, verse 8. She has not acknowledged that I was the one who gave her the grain, the new wine and oil, who lavished on her the silver and gold, which they used for Baal, a false god. Therefore, I will take away my grain when it ripens and my new wine when it is ready. I will take back my wool and my linen intended to cover her nakedness. So notice how God views our stuff. God's saying, I'm the one that provides. I'm the one that gives you. And oh, by the way, he calls it all his. I, I've given her this, I've given her this, and so provision comes from God, and everything that we have, it's important we understand, it belongs to him. It is his. So he can give us, he can provide for us, but he also can take that away from us. So provision comes from God. Now, let's look at one other verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8 says, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So God is able. He is able to give you all that you need, to provide all 
that you need so that you can abound in every good work. So provision is one of those things that God can show us, I'm in this. Or sometimes maybe I'm not in this. There's this phrase that says, where God guides, he provides. Heard that before? Where God guides, he provides. So someone was saying, I sense that God has called me to start a business and I'm gonna launch this business. But then after a year, like no one's buying their product or there's no business coming in, then is God really in that? Maybe not, maybe it's the wrong timing. There's a few things to figure out in that. But if after a year of working hard and doing all this, there's nothing happened, then maybe God is not in that. Someone would say, I sense God called me to move somewhere and they keep trying to move there, but they can't get a job. So maybe that's God saying, I'm not providing, so that's not the right place to go for you. Maybe, it's just, maybe it is the right place, wrong time. Sometimes that happens as well. We actually have a couple families here in our church that moved down from Washington to join our church and to be a part of our church community. Some of you guys know the, the Nesses and the Mickles. And they had sense for a while that they wanted to come down here. They, they were going to come down here. They, they, they felt like it was God leading them. But they were kind of waiting on the provision and looking for jobs, looking for jobs. And both of them individually ended up landing jobs different times and so they really took that as, okay, God has provided. I've got this great job. Now I can move. Now I can go there. I sense that God is in this based upon provision. If you were here with us last fall, when we did the grand opening of the church, you might remember I got up and uh, kind of had a little family time, a little family talk like I did at the beginning of this message. And I shared the financial state of the church and said, okay, guys, we, we, we feel like God's, gonna, God's calling us to do this grand opening and to step into a new season and embrace this, but the finances were in a tough place. It was a tough year for our church. Last summer, especially, was a tough summer for our church. It was a tough year for the whole world. Let's be real, right? Okay. Everybody had a tough year. Uh, one of my favorite phrases from last year was two weeks to slow the spread. Remember that phrase? In March of 2020, two weeks to slow the spread, okay? Little did we know. You know, we don't, yeah. And here we are 14 months later, right? And we're still dealing with pandemic. We obviously did not know what was going on, what we were getting ourselves into. Anyways, it was just a tough year. Challenging year for the globe. But our church was struggling financially, but we just had the sense that God was doing something new and calling us to relaunch and do this grand opening, Rivers Church. And so four weeks before the grand opening, which was October 25th, 2020, I got up and I just shared, hey guys, we've cut thousands of dollars out of the budget to make sure we save money. We set aside money for the grand opening, but now even that's gone. So if any of you wanted to want to give to the grand opening, just pray about it. We need about $3,500 because we, we need to get some new signage and redo the signage with the name change and there's a couple other things we needed. So it was about $3,500. I thought if we get this, we're good. We can do this. And just encourage people to pray about it. And wouldn't you know, we didn't get $3,500. We got $10,000 that came in. It was one of those moments that we all kind of sat back and was like, wow, God. Okay, provision came in almost three times more than what we had anticipated. People, several of you gave sacrificially and generously, and it just infused faith into this church community. It was super exciting. We didn't just get to get new signage. We got to upgrade our property and get, just get some things that we really needed to get done on our property so it looks even better. 
We were able to dream because of the provision that God gave us. It was an amazing just moment for our church as he was saying, hey, I'm in this. Keep going forward. Here's the provision for this. Because we were wondering, like, okay, Lord, okay, do we miss the timing of all this? He's like, no, here you go. Boom. Provision. So last week I talked about how you know, part of my story is I sensed God was calling me to be a pastor, and so then I was going to go to Bible college. And I talked about that Bible college last week, but I wasn't sure I was gonna, how I was going to pay for it. So I'm going to community college for a couple of years, and I'm working these little side podunk jobs trying to save as much money as I can, which isn't much, trying to get decent grades so I can maybe get some scholarships because I'm trying to figure out how can I pay for Bible college. Like college is expensive. Even then, especially now, but even then, it was expensive. And so I'm praying, I'm praying, okay, God, help me, help me. Wouldn't you know, miraculously, God provided for me to go to college, and I was able to get my degree and get out of Bible college debt-free. And I was like, thank you. I was, it was all God. There was no, it, was, it was just amazing how God was providing for me, showing me, I'm in this, Tyrone. I'm in this. I'm leading you. I'm guiding you. So last week, I also talked about how we're praying for what God wants to do on this property, right? So I invite you to pray with us. Pray for us and pray for the, the leaders of this church as we pray and discern, okay, God, how can we use this property for your glory? How can we reach more people? How can we disciple more people? And, and there's some dreams within us about what we could do on this property. Bigger than just, hey, we need a bigger sanctuary. Beyond that, like, we have some dreams of how God could use this property, and it's gonna take a lot of provision. And so I just throw that out ahead of time and say, hey, hey guys, let's pray together. Let's pray together that God will provide as he leads us and show us through provision what his will is regard to how we can move forward by using this property. So please, I'm, just not, I'm not throwing that out flippantly. Please, please pray with us and let's dream together. Because here's what I found is that when there's a God-given vision, the provision follows. And so when you sense God speaking to you and calling you to move forward and to pursue this and go, go through this, if it's a God-given vision, the provision will come. In fact, sometimes provision is the thing that holds us back. Because we look at this like insurmountable amount of money, like, how can I do that? I need all this money. And we give up. And it's like this mountain that we can stare at that's just in front of us that holds us back from pursuing something that God wants us to go after. And sometimes that's a mountain that Jesus wants you to speak at. Remember we talked about that last week. Matthew 17. Truly I tell you, have faith as small as a mustard seed, which is not much. Just a little bit of faith. You can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Sometimes you need to speak to that mountain uh, of, of money, of provision. Say, okay, God, if you're in this, then provide. Show us the way. Show us what to do. God, speak to us and speak to that mountain and let it move. And God can move and perform miracles. Hey, we serve a miracle-working God. If we're serving the creator of the universe and we're walking by faith, I think we should expect miracles. I think we should expect divine direction. I think we should expect sovereign provision to come from God. Uh, there's plan A and there's plan B, and that's all great, but then there's God sometimes who just comes in and supersedes all of that, and he provides, and he does what only he can do because that's who God is, and that's what he does. I love it when God shows up and shows off. He can, and he will. Okay, so provision, it's an important thing for us to understand. Don't let it hold you back in, in pursuing God's will for your life. 
Receive that? Now let's talk about peace. This is a big one. It's an important one for us to understand peace. And peace is something we all long for, right? We want peace. We need peace, especially nowadays. We just want to feel and experience that peace. Well, the first peace we need to have is called peace with God. We all need that. In fact, as we talk about God's will, remember God's will, the primary will for everybody's life on planet Earth is to know God and to make him known. That's making peace with God. Romans 5 says, therefore, since we have been made right with God's, excuse me, been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Anybody thankful for that? So we can have peace with God because of what Jesus did through the cross, his death and his resurrection. And we accept that work of Christ through the cross, then we make peace with God. The Bible actually says that before we were in a relationship with God, we were enemies of God. And so we step into that relationship with God. Now we've made peace with our maker, with our creator, our loving heavenly father. So we need a peace with God. And if you've never made peace with God, I'd encourage you to do that today. Make peace with your creator. So you can have peace, but that doesn't mean you're always experiencing peace. Then it's kind of like a marriage, right? You can have the covenant of marriage, but are you experiencing peace constantly in that marriage? So we want to not just have peace with God, but then we want to experience the peace of God. There's peace with God, and there's peace of God. Peace with God is based upon what Jesus has done for us. We accept that. We can have peace with God. The peace of God is something that God gives us internally and on inside of us. Colossians 3 says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you are called to peace. So when the peace of Christ is not ruling, and that's the goal, you, guys want, you and I want to live in that place where the peace of God is ruling. When it's not, we need to accept that as kind of like a warning light coming on. Like, okay, something's off. Something's not right here. It's kind of like when that oil light comes on in your car. That ever happened to you? Or that warning light comes on in your car? What do you do? Do you put a piece of tape over it and say, forget that. I don't care. You just keep driving. You're just like, I'll just ignore it. And it'll eventually go away, right? Mm, no. And so don't ignore it when that piece, it's that, that warning sense that we get inside of us. It's the Spirit speaking to us saying there's a lack of peace. Okay, the peace of Christ is not ruling in your hearts right now. There's something off. We need to listen to that. If we don't listen to that over time, it can just totally go away. It's said that serial killers, initially, they felt something was off in the beginning, but they pushed through that. They didn't care, and then eventually it just was gone. That feeling, that sense was gone. And we don't want that to happen with the peace of Christ in our life. But it's amazing how we can go there, right? Like, I want this, and I really want this, and I want it right now, and I really need this, and we need to help God figure out that we, we need this and it's best for us. And so we'll go, we can sense something's off and still go for it and be missing out on the will of God. I've seen people go against things that are against Scripture, but they really, really wanted it. And at first, they could sense it wasn't completely right, but they wanted it so badly, they went for it. And he just ignored that warning light, that warning alarm going off. So the peace of God, 
Let the peace of Christ rule your hearts. And when that peace is gone, it may not tell you exactly which direction to go. It just lets you know you're on the wrong path right now. So stop and figure out what you need to do. That makes sense? Because we want the peace of God to rule our hearts. Uh, Here's what I've learned is that whatever rules your heart guides your life. That's why Jesus said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Whatever rules your heart guides your life. And I pray that you and I would be people who allow the peace of God to rule and reign in our hearts. Whatever rules your heart guides your life. And so God's peace can guide us. The peace of God can guide us, but also can guard us. Philippians 4 talks about this. This is the passage that Pastor John Mark read a few moments ago. Philippians 4, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God will guard your hearts and minds. It's amazing how anxiety and worry can just rob us from peace, right? You ever experienced that? So is it a sin to worry? Is it a sin to be anxious? And I would say, not necessarily. Like if you got a little kid and you're hanging out the Grand Canyon and then your little kid gets close to that cliff of the Grand Canyon, you're gonna get a little bit worried, right? Okay, is that a sin? No, it's called being a parent. And there's this little internal thing that God has put inside of us to feel a little anxious like we're in danger or someone else's danger. So worry and anxiety can't, is not necessarily a bad thing, but it's, it's where we allow it to go, similar to anger. When I'm putting more faith in what I'm worrying about than faith in God, then it's a sin. When I'm putting more faith and energy and focus into my anxiety and all the anxiousness that's consuming me as opposed to God, that's when it's sin. And those are the things I need to bring to God. I need to give those things to God. So what's interesting, you read this passage here, when does the peace come? It seems like immediately, doesn't it? Isn't that funny? You think about that. We think the best part about prayer is the answer. Maybe the best part about prayer is the fact that I've surrendered this all to God and now I got his peace and it's guarded me. And no matter what happens, the answer will come. It will come. But in the meantime, I got the peace of God that is guarding my life. The best part about prayer is not the answer. I think it's the peace that God wants to give you as you surrender that situation. I think this is why Paul is saying, hey, give this to to, to God. You can trust him in this because he wants to give you this peace that will guard you. Man, the answer is great, but I think the peace is greater. His peace will guard you. This is why you and I can have peace in the midst of the storm. This is a peace from God that doesn't make sense, guys. That's how powerful it is. So the peace of God will guide you and it will guard you. But we got to understand this properly, and I would say even biblically, because oftentimes Christians are looking for the sense of peace in regards to all the decisions they make in life. Maybe you've found yourself saying this phrase, I just have a peace about this. Or maybe you've heard other people say that, like, God has given me a peace about that. We've got to be careful with that because that can just become Christianese for this is what I really want to do. And we can put the God card on it, but it might be outside of his will, and we might be ignoring this lack of peace, but uh, we could be missing it. Because what we've said is basically, 
I want to feel right before I make this decision. It's kind of peace, and the feeling of peace becomes the barometer on whether or not God is in this decision or not. And if I don't feel peace, then it's definitely not God. But my question for you is, is that biblical? See, I think peace can be an indicator that God is in it. It's okay to ask for that. It's okay to seek that. But it's not always going to be an indicator. And so you cannot rely on peace, the feeling of peace, to be the barometer of, is God in this or not? Sometimes this whole, like, I have a peace about this can be just a cop-out. It can be an excuse. It can simply mean um, I feel good about it because there's no longer any emotional internal strife going on. <laughs> and so because that's gone, okay, now this is, okay, I feel good, so this, I'm going to make this decision. It could be I just made a decision to please everybody else around me, so basically I had made a decision to keep the peace. It may not be the right thing, but now there's not turmoil going on around me, so I'm just going to make this decision. And God may not be in it, but boy, it calmed everybody around me. I'm just keeping the peace. So here's the deal. The Bible doesn't actually ask us to make decisions based upon peace. The Bible calls us to, and God calls us to make decisions based upon conviction. That's how you and I are called to make decisions. Because there's decisions that you're going to make that you're not going to feel a peace about until afterwards. The peace may not come until later on. So I think peace, in the biblical sense, this kind of peace that Paul's talking about here in Philippians 4, it's, it's a peace that goes beyond feelings. It's a peace that knows this is the right thing to do in spite of the circumstances or the feelings. Isn't that, in a sense, what Paul is teaching us as he writes us these words? I mean, think about the context of these words. He writes the entire letter of Philippians from prison. So if you were hanging out in prison trying to, to write letters to people, would you feel peace about your situation? But he's saying, hey, guys, you give everything to him, and you can have God's peace. Even though he's in prison. Now, Paul, by the way, he knew he was going to prison. Did you know that? When he was on his last trip back to Jerusalem, there was a prophetic word that was given to him. We talked about prophetic words, prophecy, several weeks ago. Someone gave him a prophetic word and tied a rope around him and said, this is what's going to happen to you. If you go to Jerusalem, they're going to, they're going to tie you up and you're going to be arrested. And so therefore, they said, do not go to Jerusalem, Paul. But Paul says, your prophetic word is right on, but your interpretation is off. It is, that is the very thing that God is asking me to do. So you're correct in what's going to happen, but God has asked me to go because I know this is God's will. He wants me to go and be arrested and thrown into prison. So God, Paul knew this was part of God's plan. And so based upon that, did it feel good for Paul to be arrested and to get thrown in prison and stand trial? And he, I mean, he's waiting to see if he's going to be executed. He doesn't know. And for years, he kind of lives in this place. Did that feel good? No. Did he have a peace about it? Yes, because he knew it was the right thing to do based upon conviction. Think about Jesus the night before he went to the cross. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. And when we read about that account, like Jesus is praying in agony. Like he is struggling. And you and I would be too if we knew we were about ready to go through the cross the next day. It's important for us to never forget all that Jesus did for us, guys. Like he went through the most brutal of deaths. He was whipped, beaten, flogged, hammered to a cross, died a death of suffocation. I mean, one of those brutal 
capital executions ever in human history. Jesus went through that. He knew that was his next day. So he's praying the night before, and he's struggling, which we don't blame him. But this is how Luke records it. Luke says that Jesus prays this, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. What's interesting is we see even Jesus has a different will here in this moment from that of God the Father. We're seeing the humanity of Jesus on full display. Emotionally, he's struggling with this. He's like, I kind of feel like this would be my will for my life, Heavenly Father. But nonetheless, I know the right thing to do and what you're calling me to do. So he's saying, I'm going to submit and surrender to your will. See, our will sometimes can be different from God's will. That's why it's important to pray this prayer. Yet not my will, God, but yours be done. Goes on to say this in the next couple of verses. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Can I ask you a question? Do you think Jesus is feeling peace in this moment? Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't wait to feel peace before going to the cross and going through the cross? He's struggling, isn't he? He's in anguish. Physically, emotionally, in such intense anguish, he experienced what is called hematidrosis, which is the rupturing of blood vessels and they come out through the sweat glands, which is physically possible for people to do when they are intense agony emotionally and or physically. Sweating blood. That's the intensity that Jesus is struggling there. The the words that says he prayed more earnestly, he's like, God, I know this is the right thing to do, but he's obviously struggling with feeling it, right? Nonetheless, Jesus goes through the cross. It wasn't because he felt peace about it, but it's because he had a conviction he knew was the right thing to do. But good news was peace was on the other side of it. Peace for him and peace for you and for me. Isn't that amazing? That peace that we long for, which is the feeling of peace, it will come if we trust in God. But we can't make that the barometer of the decisions in our life. Think about this teaching of Jesus that he gave us. <laughs> he says, I tell you, love your enemies and for those who persecute you. If you and I are going to obey that scripture you're probably never going to feel it. Let's be real, right? It doesn't feel good to have an enemy. It doesn't feel good to have people who don't like you. It doesn't feel good to to face persecution, does it? Yet if we're going to obey Jesus and trust him in these teachings, we're going to love people no matter what. We're going to pray for people no matter what. And I may not have the feeling of peace, but I can have a peace knowing I'm I'm doing the right thing because it's a conviction. It goes way beyond feelings. You see, if peace really was, like the feeling of peace was a barometer, then think about the decisions we'd make in our life. We would always avoid pain, always avoid suffering, and always avoid hard things. Because we wouldn't have peace about any of those. It wouldn't feel good, right? Peace, biblical peace, is a conviction of doing the right thing even when it's difficult. 
The feeling of peace comes later. It's the byproduct of those decisions that are trusting God and pleasing to God. As I think through my life, there's been several big decisions that I've made that, I'll be honest, I struggled with. Like I just emotionally, I was sad and just all these other emotions in between, but I knew the right decision. And so I made the decision that I knew that God was calling me to lead, to make. And as I went through that, that peace came afterwards. That's happened to me many times in my life. The peace came later. Sometimes that's what's gonna happen for us, guys. And so this is why it's so important for us to understand biblical peace, right? Peace in the biblical sense, guys. It's like awe, it's that awe-inspiring, giant-slaying conviction that I know I'm doing the right thing and God is with me as I face this giant, as I go after this. God is for me, he is with me, I can do this. I have a peace, I'm scared, I'm freaked out, maybe I'm sad, I'm emotional, but I have a peace, I'm doing the right thing. That's biblical peace. It goes beyond our our natural understanding because it's from heaven. It's the kind of peace that God wants to give us. It's biblical peace is when we're making decisions based upon conviction and people look at you like, how does he or she do that? How can they live in such a way? It's because we're living by conviction. It's a firm conviction, even in the midst of absolutely overwhelming odds that don't make sense, but I know I need to trust God and walk with this by faith with him. I pray that you have that kind of peace. It's a peace that has conviction. And you need to have that kind of peace as you make decisions based upon conviction of what you put into this bucket so that you can make sure that your life is significant. Make the most of this third bucket every single week. Hey, it's Sunday. It's a new week. Today, today's the first day of the week. Did you know that? It's not tomorrow. It's today. So you're starting off, first day of the week, you got all 168 hours that you get to choose how you're going to spend. Make the most of it. Don't wait for the feelings. Make decisions based on conviction. Make the most of that third bucket. That's biblical peace right there, guys. And it's the kind of peace where you think about how Peter ended his life. Peter was the guy, the disciple that Jesus started the church with. And Peter calmly walked towards his execution, towards his cross. He was crucified on a cross and he says, uh, he actually begged to not be crucified like his Lord Jesus. So he says, crucify me upside down. That's the kind of biblical peace where it's like calmly you can go to what, okay, I, I've lived my life and he, he was killed, executed because he preached the gospel, but he had a peace knowing he did the right thing. He did the right thing. And I pray that you and I would have that type of peace. It's a conviction, friends. It's a conviction. So let's stand to our feet and let's, let's pray. I invite you just to close your eyes right now. And we're just gonna take, take a few moments here to say, God, what are you speaking to me in light of this message here today? What do you have for me here? Just, just open up your heart, open up your your mind, your life to him right now to speak to you. Let him bring something to your mind.
Some of us have been chasing feelings. And it's time to let convictions determine our choices. Some of us right here, we need to make peace with God. If that's you, if you've never said yes to him and, and put your trust in Jesus and the work that he did on the cross, he died for your sins, for your rebellion on the cross, but then he rose from the dead, proving he is God. When you accept that work, say yes to following him, you are making peace with God. Maybe you need to do that right now. Make peace with your creator. These last few moments, I believe God has something for all of us. This is gonna be good. There was an incredible, incredible atmosphere of God's presence in the first service. And I just want you to prepare to receive in these last few moments here from God before we go. When we serve a mighty God, an incredible God. Maybe you just need to feel that sense of peace from him right now in this moment. He wants to give that to you because he is the God of peace. That's who he is. God, fill this place with peace. Flood this place with your presence, the sweet presence of peace right now, Lord. A peace that reminds us that you are here, that you are with us, that you are for us. A peace. holding you back from stepping into God's will for your life, making some decisions that you know are the will of the Lord for you. Come on, just make those decisions. Make that determination today. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna let go of this. Maybe there's some things God's speaking to you that you need to let go of. Maybe you've been spending time, wasting too much time and not seeking God, just going after him. I'm here to tell you, God has so much more for you than you even realize. So much. Right now, God's gonna break a spirit of apathy over your life spirit of laziness where some of us have just let feelings rule our life we just waste time based upon feelings uh, god i pray that you break the spirit of apathy over us lord and uh, i pray that a spirit of hunger would would rise up inside of us so we would long for you more than we long for television or entertainment or media or we would long for you in your presence knowing god that there's no one greater than you there's nothing better than you God, I pray that the greatness of your presence would fill this place, would fill our hearts right now. Would you just begin to lift your hands from right now and just ask him to fill you, to touch you. When God has something for you here this morning, God has more for you than you realize. Just begin to ask for him to fill you with his spirit. When God wants to give you his spirit, there's a reason he, he has sent his spirit. So he wants to fill you, to empower you. He wants to fill you with his peace, with his strength with a sense of conviction. He's gonna break that spirit of apathy, that spirit of addiction is gonna be broken. Chains are being broken right now. You're being released, you're being free. You're gonna be free to worship right now. Just receive that in Jesus' name. Receive that in Jesus' name. And freedom right now, Lord. Oh God, let your spirit move. Your spirit move. Come on, just ask for more of him. Get hungry for more of him. Come on, just ask, seek, knock right now. Ask, seek. 
knock. Go after him. Let's take some time before we go and let's meet with the living God. Let's go after him. We need him. We need his presence. We need God more than we need anything else. Come on, let's cry out to him, Lord. no one greater than you. There's no one that compares to you, God. No one. God, fill this place with you, with your glory. Fill this place with your presence. Holy Spirit, fall, move in us. you have for us. This is our prayer today, God. We need you. We need you. Speak. Speak. Your servant is listening. Speak for your servant is listening. Thanks again for listening to this message at Rivers Church. We'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. To learn more about what's going on in the life of our church community, check us out at riverschurch.co. I pray that this week you would walk in the power and the presence of God. Thanks for joining us.